Hey guys, Bryce here from Flex Cortex. All content on the Flex Cortex podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitution for medical advice from a qualified health professional. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to Flex Cortex. Today we are joined by James Thayer. James is the owner of Byproduct Performance and is one of the educators through Prescript. James is going to be talking about his career thus far and some of the things he would like to accomplish as an athlete and an educator. First of all, James, we are honored to have you on. Thanks for making the time. Bryce Tanner, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, so one of the first questions we'll start off with is how long have you, uh, been in the fitness industry and, uh, involved with fitness just generally? Um, so as far as a profession, I've probably been in it coming up on a decade. Um, I really started to focus on the professional side of it as far as like getting into personal training, getting into group fitness, um, in my undergrad. So it's been, it's been right at a decade, I believe. Um, as far as like being involved in fitness through sports and athletics, um, probably since I was able to be signed up for sports, um, whenever it got more serious and more consistent in the sports that I was doing, um, probably would have been junior high. So 12, 13, um, and the consistent sports I did was um, football, wrestling, and track. I did that through junior high and high school, um, then took uh, football into uh, JUCO, um, did that for almost two years, and then phased out of that uh, going into undergrad, and then got a little involved with um, MMA, grappling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, just kind of a transition uh, from wrestling of my previous athletic endeavors did that for a while. And, um, then as I transitioned more into a professional focused a lot more on, um, fitness education workshops, and that's kind of been taken up my time, uh, since then. You have had a very, very diverse, uh, fitness experience and just, uh, experience of sports. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, I uh, was very, very fortunate in the high school I came up through in the town um, that I'm from that there was a lot of opportunity to get involved in um, and was able to be a three-sport athlete throughout most of my career. And I think it really just helped um, It helped me be more dynamic in my movement and kind of see, see it through not just one sport, but like there were all all these different seasons and never got into just an individual sport and isolated in that that I was able to use the different seasons with different focuses and really appreciated those opportunities here that's here, awesome. here I thought I played a lot of sports with two I think two yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so you what was your if you could say like maybe your favorite sport or the one that carried over the most to your exercise, what would you say that one was? Um, they'd probably be different, honestly. Um, so just to 
um, put this in because I guess I didn't touch with this as far as like the in a gym setting. Um, I've been in a gym or lifting weights since um, since I was about 11 or 12. So right at the introduction of those consistent sports, um, our high school and junior high did very well of having that program association where we um, did have summer weights and um, weight classes that we could attend for sport. So I always had that association of the gym and athletics. Um, I didn't necessarily get into getting into a gym setting so early on. That was always my association. I didn't necessarily realize um, that people got into training or lifting weights for other reasons like um, aesthetic purposes or like building confidence or like mm-hmm. weight loss. My association and my introduction to it was always just through sport. Um, so to kind of bring it back to like, as far as the sports that were most beneficial for athletic endeavors or for like where I'm at today, as far as the exercise that I understand and can do and my favorite sport, um, those would be different. So my favorite would be, uh, football. And that's kind of where I carried that career into, um, Juco college to be able to continue it. Um, I, I didn't have any uh, grander ideas that I was going to go to the league or anything. I understood that, like, whenever I graduated, I was 5'9 and 165 pounds. Like, I wasn't going to go play at a D1 football or D1 university. Um, I was also from a town of 2,500. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those situations where it's a – very, very small fishbowl that you're operating in. And like that exposure to um, high level athletes, it's a very, very eye opening and very stark contrast. But um, with that football was my favorite sport. And um, just because of the small town environment, the same kids that I played with in junior high, the vast majority of them I played with through my senior year. And that was something that I really, really fell in love with and um, helped help me enjoy that sport so much because we were so dependent and we built such a community around that shared suffering through years. And, um, and just, uh, just being able to like rely on each other. That's something I, I very, very much appreciated and something I wanted to continue on. Um, in juco and try to extend that as long as i could because i understood that there was a timeline on when i'd be able to do it um as far as the sport that had the greatest carryover to athletic ability and probably that was was most beneficial for where i am today uh would would be wrestling just because like i think one of the greatest advantages that wrestling gave me is not only like that mentality of embrace the suck, uh, because for the duration of that sport for the six years that I did it, six or seven years that I did it, um, that mentality of embrace the suck, uh, doing two a days, always being tired, being cold because low body fat percent being hungry at times, like, but at the end of the day, there's work to be done. Um, that carried with me both professionally and uh, personally, but also as far as the context of fitness, there's such an advantage of understanding how your body 
moves through space and time in developing that proprioception. Um, I mean, there, there was even times where I would practice wrestling with my eyes closed just to understand, like, based on feel, based on proprioception, how your opponent moves and what their next move is going to be off of the tension that they're holding in different areas. And so I've been able to carry that in um, into fitness and um, have had some interesting exercise that I could apply that proprioception to and just a greater awareness of my own um, potent of my own um, person and how my body and how the weight is moving through that space and time and being able to um, adjust around that. That is super cool. Cause I know that's uh, a lot of things some clients can struggle with is just kind of knowing where their body is in space for you to even like critique movements. Mm-hmm. So uh, learning that uh, wrestling helped you so much with that. That's really cool. Yeah. Proprioception is such a huge thing with uh, exercising, but I feel like it's something that you need to learn or like for you, for example, something that you were already able to have understood and have been able to grasped and then been able to carry over. So I think kind of like you said, every sport that you did obviously helped shape the athlete that you are today, right? Exactly. And, and with that, it's, you know, again, I had the opportunity and the exposure because of those sports without necessarily thinking about it. Like it developed because football wrestling and track are very, very different sports. And, and it just allowed me to kind of expand um, my exposure in different areas and build different capacities through different seasons. And with each one, they're kind of self-corrective of each other because of those gradations of exposure and like the ability to build capacities through different seasons, but then transition out of those and have different focuses. Um, Two people I always like to bring up that I think it's so genius what they um, what they do with their athletes. One is Jim Windler, um, the uh, creator of 531. The other one is Corey Schlesinger, who is now the strength and conditioning coach for the Phoenix Sun. Um, Jim Windler, he is the strength and conditioning coach for a high school. And one of the things he talks about with um, the kids whenever they go and do warm-ups he has them do cartwheels and somersaults and all these dynamic movements for the warm-up so they understand how their body moves through space and time. Some of the best athletes that you're going to find are people that recognize that and understand that. And if you can get a you know, 250, 300-plus pound lineman to do a cartwheel, like he understands how he moves. He can do anything. Another example, yeah. like another yeah. example would be um, if you go to um, like a swimming pool and you see a dude in his 40s that is overweight but can still pull a gainer off the diving board, like that was set in whenever he was very, very young and it's something that he never lost. And uh, Corey Schlesinger does something similar with his athletes. Um, they're, uh, you know, he works with professional basketball players. And so we're talking six, five to seven foot plus people that aren't built for this world. Like they, they transition through, but like doorways aren't even made for somebody that's seven foot. Um, so, uh, what he would do at Stanford, one of the first things he talks about is taking them into the weight room and teaching them how to fall. Cause one of their greatest potentials for injury is falling on the court and breaking something or like not knowing how to distribute their weight. So just 
just helping with that understanding because unfortunately a lot of athletes aren't necessarily exposed to that whenever they specialize early it it limits that ability to develop outside of that sport so um yeah i was fortunate that i got that exposure through sports but with our clients and with ourselves if we're able to build that proprioception it's going to pay dividends down the road in the potential that we'll have to expand what we're doing with exercise and just our understanding of being efficient with our movement. Yeah, 100%. I think versatility is one thing that's often uh, overlooked, right? Like like you were mentioning before, how this one coach was looking at how basketball players fall. And I think that's one thing that needs to be addressed more because it's like the unflipped rock or like the unflipped pillow like it's something that's not often looked at or addressed but something that's crucial to making them a better athlete and making them a better um, perform better obviously and move better so I think it's it's really cool that you're able to have had all these experiences and obviously they have helped shape who who you are as an athlete and as a coach today right because you can obviously now work with a variety of different clients and athletes um, depending on what they want just from experience too right yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, I guess the next question we have for you is where did you go to school? Um, so the town that I lived in is uh, in southeast Kansas. It's called uh, Neodache. And um, went to school, or my high school was Neodache High School. Um, from there, I went to Highland Community College. That was the JUCO that I played football at. Um, after that, I transitioned to Emporia State University, um, where I did my undergrad and master's. Um, With my undergrad, I had two focuses. Initially, I went there for um, pre-law, and so my first degree or first focus was uh, poli-sci, because I'd always um, was always interested in kind of the debate of law and the understanding of uh, the description of law and how we apply that. Uh, but also it's it's very philosophical in its approach and um, help facilitate conversations around philosophy, around um, around law and the implementation of the letter of the law and the inference of law. Um, so with that, I was I was going through um, completing the degree and you know I was getting towards the end of my degree and realized like I don't want to do this for my life. Like I enjoy what we do in the classroom, but a lot of it is just setting at a desk and doing paperwork. And, um, and I didn't want that life for myself. So I started, um, searching out what else, um, what else I liked. And this was also kind of during that transition phase of going from an athlete where that was a large portion of my identity to, what am I now and what do I enjoy outside of this sport? Um, So in searching, it kind of exposed me to, I started working at Campus Rec and around that same time, um, I found a, our, the undergrad offered at ESU was human health performance. And so that looks at a multitude of areas from kinesiology from exercise science in a lab, uh, personal training, group fitness, uh, running wellness programs. So a, uh, another huge exposure with hands-on application. 
um, and got very involved in that and ended up uh, completing both degrees and uh, continued on with the, the exercise science focus into my master's um, while also doing a graduate assistantship with ESU, overseeing the fitness, wellness, and aquatics area, um, which eventually transitioned into the career I'm in now. Wow. Okay, that is really cool. I uh, I, I do always appreciate hearing uh, very diverse stories on education, just um, people taking that journey from, you know, something that seems far off from fitness, like pre-law, going all the way to, you know, where you are now with uh, a master's in fitness and human sciences, basically. Yeah, and, and with that, like, I me working in a university setting now. I'm the assistant director of fitness and wellness, so I oversee the services and programs that come into that. And I'm around college students a lot. And that's kind of the conversations that we have. Like, you don't necessarily need a degree for some of these things. Um, Tanner, like you, you need a degree for nursing. There's no way you're getting into that profession without a degree in it. Whereas you're not wrong. <laughs> whereas, you know, some of these uh, kids and I'm going to call them kids just because that's what I'm used to. But um, they're they're trying to find themselves and they're looking at this degree as the answer. And it's, it's not necessarily an answer. It's a step potentially in the right direction. And it helps streamline that process potentially. But getting a dr- degree in itself doesn't give you all the answers and it doesn't necessarily prepare you for the job ahead like there's we have to look at that marriage between like actual hands-on application and getting experience in the real world and marrying that with the degree that you're getting and being able to apply those theories and concepts into application so so yeah anytime we like i appreciate anytime we can step outside of that degree or step outside of um that field look outwardly, find something that's relatable and that can be brought back into it and applied. Because with with political science, a lot of it is critical thought, it's analysis and like being able to take that in the guise of like evaluating a program or being able to um, talk with a client, like it all carries over. We just have to find those connecting lines that help us reach from point A to point B. Yeah, you, you, you can't get fixated on, like, the letters, right, or fixated on the the schooling or fixated on the outcome. You have to, again, like you mentioned, have all those experiences that are very valuable in making you a good coach or making you a good edu- educa- educator because I think we've talked about it with, with Ian as well about how um, you might have all the schooling that you need, but when it comes to like talking to people or being able to like deliver information, if you can't do that, then you need to obviously work on your social skills. You need to be able to become a better educator in that sense as well. It's just complicated, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think if, you know, anybody that's looking to go to college, cause I don't want to necessarily, uh, tell people not to, but I, I think it calls into an evaluation of like, is this the right step? And if it is the right step, like evaluating the program that you're looking at going into, and if it's just based on thought and theory, or if it is going to have that application. And if it doesn't have that 
outside application where we can find that to apply it. So whenever you leave college and looking to get a job, you're a more viable candidate and you can really build out your resume. And it's not just dependent on on a classroom setting or what you learn. That's something I'm very, very thankful of in my undergrad is just how much hands-on application we got. We, you know, we went to the city rec and had personal training clients through a class. We had group fitness that not only did we attend some um, courses at gyms, but we also worked on instructing them. We were in the lab running tests. We were doing Bruce and Volky and taking VO2 submax and trying to do blood pressure cuffs during those, which you know I'd never do now. But um, but at least getting that experience and it helped us understand what we liked, what we didn't like, what we wanted out of this degree, and like and there wasn't any any lack of understanding of what this is going to be if you go into this field or that field. I mean, we even we even went and did uh, lunch and learns at uh, some of the uh, factories in town um, for their uh, staff and employees and did uh, some health fairs at, um, one was at the mall, uh, working <laughs> with um, having kids come in and do uh, their initial shots with doctor. We built a whole fair around it so they could to kind of ease them in where it wasn't just them going into a doctor's office and getting stabbed by some random person that they could come and like have this experience where they had a better understanding of why we were doing this and like yeah. more engaging in, um, in just different opportunities like that, that, um, that have really, really helped me long-term, but something that if I were, as I'm in this setting now telling college students, like that's something that they need to be mindful of and look to is what are you getting out of this degree and wherever the degree limitations are making sure that you're getting the application side of it, not just waiting till after you graduate with the expectation that this degree, it'll open some doors for you, but it doesn't open all doors. And so making sure that we're bulking that with getting experience so we can marry those two and be a very, very viable and knowledgeable candidate. Hundred yeah. percent, because like one of the like I know a lot of people treat college as some magical way to get basically a grown up job, and in a lot of ways that is the requirements of today, just because that's what HR decides they want to put on the application. But you know, even nursing, which is four years dedicated to uh, the science, the art, the practice of nursing, where you have in clinic, uh, you know. Uh, placements where you're actually in the hospital taking care of patients I still did not feel ready when I graduated to actually be out there and be an RN because you know college can only prepare you so much for a job oh yeah yeah absolutely and and with with that job specifically you know there by no means are you going to get all the experiences that you can to prepare for it like but here's something that that a lot of people don't necessarily understand. Everyone is underprepared for the job that they're applying for. Like, unless yeah. you've done that job at that place in that environment, you're underprepared in some way because every job is going to be different. We're just trying to limit that as much as possible, build up our our exposure, our experience, and our confidence to be able to perform the job. Mm. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say before that... Uh, 
I'm sure Tanner would agree with just obviously being in nursing and being an RN that I learned so much more from actually being in labs or actually being in my first job versus being in school. Um, just because, you know, it's one thing to read a textbook, but it's one thing to actually be, be put into that situation and into that scenario where you actually have to treat that person like they're a person. Um, and there might be rare cases where you can't just go by the textbook, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's that's why with any of the college students I talk to, it's it's hitting on that application and like searching it out because it's it's not going to be necessarily presented to you in the class because that's that's not always what that course is for. It's to try to teach you the foundations, but those foundations of understanding and learning are just going to go so far of to what you can understand it in application. So trying to find those experiences and search them out, um, kind of like Tanner said, school isn't this magical thing that guarantees you a job like maybe it once did. Um, we're now in very, very competitive fields and it's and everybody has a degree. So looking at like how to make you stand out if you're going into the job field or you're looking at transitioning to a new job or a different field, trying to not just be reliant on on school or like letters behind your name or a degree, mm -hmm. but going and showing your worth and showing showing that you can marry that knowledge with experience or with application. Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's too many conversations that I've had with students that are about to graduate that don't know, like after four years, they don't know what they want to do for a job like it. Yeah, it's OK if they don't know what they want to do for life. Like, I don't think coming out of school, like the first job you have is the last job you need um, or going to have. But like taking four years to get a degree and not know what you want to do with that degree. Like the answer is not I think I'll go and get my master's because it's if you didn't figure out. it out in four years, don't put yourself into more debt in two years. Like, yeah. let's take some time <laughs> and like. Let's see how we can use this. And and if, you know, it took you four years to figure out this isn't the career path you want. OK, that's fine. But let's maybe get a job and like get some try the real world for a bit. Exactly. Yeah. Literally any job to you at that point. Like just get out there, get some real world work experience and just like you're going to get a better sense of your community, understand the people around you, the needs of that community. And then you might find your passion when you're working, you know, even a job as a cashier. Yeah. Yeah. You might find a passion. And like, here's the other side of it. If you get out into the real world and it sucks so much, I guarantee whenever you go back to school, you're going to be very specific on what you're going to school for because you don't want to put yourself back in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Also that a hundred percent. That was uh, a good example. I was actually speaking with this with somebody recently and, I worked a, a job between years of school where it was like very labor intensive and obviously very thankful that I was able to um, pay off all my schooling. But like you said, it made me remember every day that I went back to school why I was in school because a lot of people in this job were there because they had to be, not because they wanted to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, like... Same thing with, with me growing up. Like, I've worked manual labor jobs. I've also worked as a lifeguard at the pool. I prefer the one at the pool. I know that because I got the experience in manual labor, and I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. 
hundred percent. It it puts everything into perspective, right? And it makes you, like you said, realize why you're in school and maybe even resparks your passion if you're feeling like you're lacking in that area. But I feel like a, a very common issue for a lot of people is that they they tend to just jump into school because they feel like they need to. Um, I know a lot of people that we went to high school with, for example, just jumped into school right after graduating. And most of them, if you ask them what they want to do, they didn't know. So I think it's a very powerful thing and important that you mentioned that they need to actually have a direction with it and not just be going in just to go into school. Yeah. And I, I think at least from what I see around me, I think it's changing a little bit where it's still very much like after high school, go to college. And that's appropriate for a lot of people. For some people it's not, but like, it's not the only place we can go. Like it's not the only answer after high school that, you know, there now there's a bit more emphasis on like there's options available, whether that's a trade school, whether that's going directly into the workforce, it's, but it's at least, I think more socially acceptable now, maybe, um, that college doesn't have to be the one and only answer. Yeah. There's lots of alternatives, right? Yeah. For sure. Uh, the next one we're going to ask you is, when did you start up your company, Byproduct of Performance? Um, so it's it's kind of been a concept and a thought and kind of a life approach for a while. Um, the official, I guess, release date was um, January of this year. Uh, it kind of just got to the point where I had some people had people asking for training and looking at like how now it's time to take that step and open it. Um, so finally pulled the trigger. I think it was January. Um, as far as a concept, it's kind of just a, it's a concept or like a training style that I've had for a long time. And, um, it just kind of found, um, found its title and found its, like tagline naturally, I guess, um, because it's mm -hmm. fall in love with the process and results will be the byproduct. And so like with, with me, that's why that transition from athletics into just training because I enjoy it. Like that's, that's where kind of, I found resolution and, uh, found a compromise for like not being an athlete anymore and like not being in athletics or like doing this for, a performance-based purpose that is just out of enjoyment. And so like, it's, it's kind of my own mindset put into a company's name and put into approach of it, of trying to, trying to find what we enjoy about this or like doing it to have enjoyment because with enjoyment comes consistency. It's not something that like fitness never needs to be a thing that's based on punishment or like insecurity if we can if we can find a way that we love the process it allows us to extend that process far past just some like day of motivation or just one goal that we have and hit that and we were left with like nothing in the future because we didn't plan out what to do after we've accomplished something it's loving that process and whatever dynamic that process takes or whatever focuses it has, you know, it can transition from a powerlifting meet to just training for life to 5k or 
anything in between that or above that. Um, but that's the staple that will kind of carry through all of those. And so that, that kind of became my approach with clients is getting them to just enjoy training, whatever that training's focus is. That's, that doesn't necessarily matter. It's more so just the, the training and the thought process and approach to what fitness can be, mm-hmm. because it, it allows for, at least I think it facilitates consistency throughout life. 100%. I, uh, I will say too, for, you know, the name, I actually think the name is a, a bit of a marketing genius. Um, in that when I saw, uh, the questions for today and saw that your company's name was byproduct performance i had to look it up beforehand to be like well like are you just a very honest supplement company like <laughs> because from my perspective as a nurse you know you often think of like byproducts uh of waste or something like that so and that might sound like a bad thing but it's the fact that you got me to actually look into it i saw your i knew you were a performance coach so i was like okay like where's this gonna go and I actually saw the, you have it beautifully put on your website, uh, your explanation that you gave us, which was just like so succinct. Uh, it's a great message. And uh, it was a way for me to actually get into your site because I was I was interested to know. I'll be honest. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. Um, it's not, I don't know necessarily that uh, marketing genius is how I would identify myself. It's just something <laughs> that like naturally resonated with my approach and my mindset and just it, it kind of naturally developed or occurred, but we'll, we'll take marketing genius. That works. Yeah. You put that on your resume. <laughs> it's all about authenticity, right? Being authentic to, yeah. to you and to who you are and to what you want to help people with and what you want to actually, um, like deliver and show as a, as a company. Right. So I think it's really good that you have been able to figure out your, your niche and figure out, what you want to accomplish with your company too. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think with like, with that understanding and like with, since it's, it's not just something that I'm, I'm trying to create through a company. Like it's something very, very much that falls into like my core values as a person. And, and so just being able to explain that and expand that and hopefully give that, um, mindset to others that I work with or others that I interact with, like that's, that's the ultimate goal is just a stronger, healthier, fitter society and more educated. Let's throw that one in there too. <laughs> yeah. Long longevity, right? For sure. Exactly. That's the most important thing when it comes down to it. Can you be doing this by the time you're 50, right? That's the, that's the hope. Yeah. Speaking of longevity, uh, when did you start working with the prescript? Um, so I think I think I officially started doing the labs um, in January as well, um, and kind of like twofold of the launch of the company and working with prescript that they kind of went hand in hand is like getting more into the online space and getting more interactive and kind of having an outlet for people to go, um, through labs and through, um, my business. But yeah, it was right around the same time. Um, I've, I've kind of followed prescript for several years. I, um, probably like 
I think my first exposure might have been um, maybe 16 or 17. I don't remember exactly, but um, I believe my first introduction was probably to Jordan Shallow, and then that kind of opened it up to um, Jordan Genta through RXD Radio. And for a while, it was just a podcast that I listened to that I enjoyed of people that had good conversations and good information. Um, and then through that, whenever uh, the courses started opening up, um, started taking those and um, the approach and mindset of mobility, stability, strength uh, was something that very much resonated with me and my approach to training um, and kind of fell in line with the, the tagline of byproduct performance. It's something that I was intrigued in, something that I wanted to expand on. Um, and this was an easy way to do that through taking the courses and just got very involved with the courses, got very involved with the labs. And eventually that um, transitioned into um, me working with Prescript and being a lab coach. That's really awesome. That's a, um, a really cool way to get involved with the company and just uh, know that, you know, because going, going from just being a listener to a podcast, um, you know, and just uh, even a fan on Instagram of like uh, uh, Dr. Shallow, it's just so cool to see the, you know, progression you can make through getting involved and, uh, you know, really putting yourself out there. Well, and, and with that, it, it kind of goes to the conversation of like, there's something to be said of just showing up consistently, like just, just be there, be around and like people will take notice um, and, you know, be around, be involved. Uh, be active and be willing to put in the time, the energy, the money into these things that you believe in and that um, resonate with you and that you want to promote um, unselfishly just because it's good information and in having better information and more informed people helps all of us in the fitness space and then outside of the fitness space. And so like, again, it's, I think it's, it, it's kind of that approach that no one owes you anything. And so if you have that mindset of no one owes me anything, like looking at how, how I can get involved, how I can do this unselfishly just because I want to, I want to help promote this information and I want to be a more informed person um, can pay dim dividends long-term, but there was never the expectation of like, oh, I'm going to work for this company. It just kind of naturally happened because I was so present and so active because it's something that I was so engaged with mm. and uh, like just just valued. Just kind of naturally took a, took that course, which went that direction, right? Just by you doing what you believe in and what you well, want to put out as an uh, educator and an athlete. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely found that the the Pruskip community for me has been huge. Um, I mean, first doing barbell, obviously, and then doing level one. But even just being in the labs with you guys and like Thunderdome has been huge. Um, and I'm forever grateful for the connections I've been able to make in that sense, too. Yeah, I think that's like that's something amazing that I think naturally has just developed from Prescript is 
is the community that's been built. Like it's, it's a course, it's shared information. Yes, but there is just a communal dynamic that has developed because people value and care about good information and how we can apply that to be better trainers, but also uh, get better results for our clients. And, and I think just naturally, like it helps filter people of those values into this, um, into these courses, into these labs that we all, we all value that we all appreciate it. And it, and want to have the conversations want to like, it's, it's not just a one hour course that we want to attend. It's, Hey, we want to go to the labs. We want to message this person on social media. We want to jump on a podcast and have conversations about these things that it's, it's just something very, very cool to see kind of naturally develop. Yeah, that is something uh, really cool. I find about prescript and uh, hearing uh, you or Ian or Bryce talk about uh, prescript too, is just like the sense of community and almost uh, camaraderie between everyone. And, you know, so many online courses fail to do that. So it's really showing that Prescript is doing something right with how it's delivering education. Yeah, I think unintentionally it's, you know, the thing that we get from sports is community through shared suffering. Like we build relationships and um, build, build these bonds because we're all in it together and going through it. And I think that's something that like lightning in a bottle that Prescript's been able to capture is it's not shared suffering, it's shared learning. And so we're all we're all kind of put into this learning together and like trying to understand these concepts together and just again capturing lightning in a bottle that it's naturally developed into the community that it is today. Very well said. Yeah. Well it's been uh it's been incredible and I mean I wouldn't have met a lot of the people that I know currently if it weren't for prescript, so obviously like a huge shout out to them for for that that's been great so far and i'm looking forward to all the future conversations that i have with many of the different coaches on there and all the uh other things that i can learn from you guys like i'm learning something new every time that we talk so oh 1000 percent. i'm a i'm a kid from a town of 2500 in kansas like by no means should i be talking to people in Canada or should I have weekly conversations with somebody in you in the UK and Dubai and all over the world now but I've been able to have those and it's been facilitated through this community that has been built it's it's, it's, it's awesome it's great yeah it is really an amazing thing that uh, prescript has done that you know it, online communities has done and just uh yeah, it's great to know that communities like that exist out there. Yeah. Obviously, um, being so heavily influenced and being in the industry itself, um, what are some of your future goals when it comes to the fitness industry for yourself? Um, so, let's see, within the, since we're kind of already on the topic with Prescript, um, it's kind of expanding and diving deeper into that company. Um, there will be some news about some of those endeavors coming out at some point. So I, I'll kind of wait on those. Um, as far as with byproduct performance, um, it's 
potentially, well, not potentially, I guess I'll put it out there. Like these things are going to happen, but it's just the timeline on them. Um, so, uh, something I recently talked about is, uh, 30 days of cast. And so mm -hmm. it's a challenge to myself to start a podcast through that company. Um, but also just having more conversations because conversations like we're having now, I've found a lot of value selfishly for me that it helps recharge my battery, that it's something I look forward to and something I learn from every single one. Um, so with that challenge, looking at, um, how I can have 30 conversations in 30 days, um, whether that be a conversation a day or multiple conversations, but um, that challenge kind of helped facilitate, facilitated and pushed me um, finally over the edge of getting that up and running. Um, and just in this from our earlier conversations, like on the technical side, learned a lot today. Uh, so very appreciative of you two kind of taking the time and dumbing that down for me. Um, but that's going to be a goal is getting that up and running and um, just allow me to kind of meet people where they are and have some conversations that aren't just relying on somebody else's podcast, uh, kind of taking, taking the reins for myself and directing that. Um, going to be looking at uh, trying to get more in-person opportunities, um, looking at like trying to develop more uh, workshop opportunities, presentation opportunities, um, eventually, uh, it's still in the work, but looking at, um, establishing a, uh, mentorship that I can go through with younger trainers since I am so involved in, um, in the college level, it's something that I really enjoy and really appreciate and something I already do at work. So looking at how I can expand outside of the limitations of my one university setting, um, and outside of that, just just getting more involved with different communities and um, hopefully now that things are uh, maybe not in Canada, but in the States, opening up quite a bit more where uh, where we can like take it from the online space to in person and really get like hands on and get um, develop those relationships a bit deeper than just um than just what can be offered of a screen. 100%. That's a really good goal to have, actually. And I, uh, yeah, it, it'd be really interesting to, uh, you know, be able to attend one of those, actually. Yeah. I'm excited um, for yeah. all the stuff you've coming. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, definitely looking at spinning a lot of plates, but it's kind of that mentality. Like, I think the older I get, the more the mentality has started resonating with me of like burn the ships of, you know, like not giving yourself a way out, like forward progression is the only option. And so I think, think with uh, trying to put those multiple plates spinning and keeping them spinning, like that's, that's a mentality I'm trying to imbibe is like, do these things and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's good. Okay that's a great thing to do. We, uh, in healthcare, we have that a lot where <clears throat> not that you're that old, you're, you're still very young, but you know, as we do get older, as we all do, you know, one of the choices you have to make is basically, are you going to just shrivel up and die or are you going to keep expanding growing and improving on yourself and your community? Uh, cause it's, it's one of those choices. Um, 
that you have to eventually make. Yeah, and it's it's such an important conversation to have. Um, just plain and simple with somebody, be an active participant in your life. Like there, it's far too easy just to let life and time pass you by and like just kind of go through the steps and the motion of it. Whereas like be an active participant, like evaluate where your life is going, set the course of the direction and like be involved with it, take control of it and make sure you're doing things that you enjoy, but continue to challenge you. Because if, if you go about life unopposed, like there's no development, there's no evolution. It's just, you're just kind of there. Yeah, it's so easy to go through the motions and be like uh, kind of on like autopilot, right? Before you know it, like five years has passed by. And if you can't, yes. and you can't look back and you, you should be able to look back and think about the things you've been able to accomplish. But if you can't do that, then obviously you have to reevaluate. Start living. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that was so well said. So this question seems a little redundant, but... <laughs> Let's, uh, just in case it's something else, uh, or you want to add to that, what's one thing you would tell your younger self to do, avoid, uh, or just in general? Um, probably, uh, stop breaking your nose. Um, uh, but <laughs> no, I mean, uh, um, in all seriousness, like I'm very much of a person that, that thinks that like all of our experiences help develop us into the person we are today. And without those experiences, like it changes who we are, who we've become. So I very much appreciate my past and like any mistakes I've made. It's, you know, not, not to kind of skirt around the question. I think it's, it's very easy to like have that reflection. Like I could say, Hey, go to my younger self and be like, burn the ships, burn the oil. Let's go. (laughs) Like no sleep. Like, you know, that hard motivation mentality and everything, but but with that, like, I, I think it's through our past experiences that help us develop to who we are today. It's what I would say, maybe not for myself, but somebody listening to this or like a younger person that sees any of us and like wants to get to where we are, just know, like, it takes time and experience. And hopefully some of the things we discuss and talk about, like, it helps mediate or streamline that process that you start thinking about it now and you haven't got through this you know half your life and you're just now starting to realize these things or starting to prepare these things or like haven't been challenged in a way that you need to so i don't know i know it's kind of a cop-out i don't know for myself that i would necessarily say something to do or avoid besides maybe the nose breaks but even those were experiences (laughs) um but to to any younger person listening to it it's like start challenging yourself not only in the things you're doing but your thought process and your approach to it and like really really trying to trying to sort that out of like what you want and how you get there and even if you don't know what what that final goal is or the goal that you can foresee right now like you don't know the complexity of it or the full description of it like understand what it is or think about what it is that you want and then how you can start taking those steps because even if it changes those steps towards personal improvement can be carried over in multiple directions 100 yeah that is well said because ultimately you know you're right we're um basically accumulations of our 
uh, good, bad, ugly experiences. And, you know, if you're at a good place with yourself, it's really hard to say and look back and be like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I kind of wish my life didn't look the way it does right now. Cause you know, if you're happy with your life, you don't want to say that you want to like, cause what if you change one thing and then it's different? And, you know, you aren't the person or have the life that you have today, right? Exactly. That that butterfly effect theory. Yeah, exactly. That is a deeper philosophical <laughs> question we will uh, leave for a, a later date. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, what, what is one thing you would change about the fitness industry currently, if you, if you could, or that yeah, you're trying so to do one... going forward? This one's a little bit easier than the other one, but um, I mean, overall, it's it's always going to be education. A more educated society is going to be better. Um, with that kind of like a personal thing, I guess I've been focusing more on or having more conversations around is like how how we learn exercise, and especially if we're learning it through um through a very like isolated means of university or sport like in this conversation or i guess in the description i'll kind of use exercise and movement interchangeably and i know there's like some crunchy granola like quote unquote like stuff to movement or using the term movement um kind of like same guidelines of functional training like the over usage and bastardization of that term has gone to the nth degree in the fitness industry. So one thing I am trying to do, um, I'm not on this huge campaign, but just for my personal explanation of these things is like bring those terms back to a better, better degree of understanding. And with that movement specifically, it's in the association whenever it's applied to exercise, that exercise doesn't happen in isolation. It's all, it's all biomechanics. It's all, movement. And so if we start understanding exercise outside of the narrow parameters of the description of it, like a deadlift is a deadlift and not understanding, oh, but a deadlift is similar to an RDL. It's similar to a hip hinge and like along those sectors of what that is, instead of it's just this one thing that it kind of provides a seamless transition from one to the other. I think just how how a lot of us are taught about exercise it's specifically as this exercise and it's never given the context that movement operates in a spectrum and along that spectrum we can go forward and backward we can progress and regress and i think if we have that understanding of all these things are connected through biomechanics it's just the manipulation of position or leverages that that we can be able to perform the the progression or regression to it, it gives us a better understanding and kind of takes away the fear of not understanding because there's, there's so many people that I come in contact with that like don't, they're having issues with an exercise, having issues with the movement and they don't know what to do about it. Where like very simply put regress it or like I've been on this exercise for so long, I'm not seeing benefit from it anymore. I don't know how to progress it where that, yeah, yeah, where, where that progression is again, it's, it's because I was only taught this exercise and I, I don't know how to advance it. I don't know how to pull back from it. And I think a lot of times like that's where we can get lost in the weeds of like corrective exercise. Just look at, 
look at the exercise or look at the movement we're doing and we can apply these principles. That kind of goes back into the context of something that I aligned with very well with Prescript was those two tenets of stability because that's that's very much how I identify with progression and regression is deviate the center of mass that can be expanded or reduced and um, expanding or reducing the base of support. Like just off of those two tenets, we can progress or regress any exercise. And so I guess to kind of wrap this point back up, start seeing exercise outside of isolation and more so on a movement spectrum because that spectrum, I think, allows us to pivot and transition from one thing to the next because we we understand there's a fluidity that runs through biomechanics. Yeah, I think that's very important, especially because I think we tied, talked about it in one of, it was your lab or maybe it was Thunderdome even, um, where you, we can't be seeing exercises as like a spectrum, like you said, because sometimes a client or ourselves, we might need a progression that might not go by like the quote unquote order that we see. So like, it's very important to look past that and think about context and think about like training age, think about all of these different variables, right? Yes. 1000%. Um, being able to add that lens of perception adds like greater, greater value and greater understanding to the context of like when we apply an exercise and when we remove an exercise or when to progress or regress it and how to do those things. Exactly. That's it's very, it's very important. And I think like you said too, it comes down to the education and I think a lot of trainers are just lacking that and that a, a big thing should be PDCs or further in education, right? You should always aim to be a beginner in some sense. And that's what I'm trying to do with like every lab I'm going into. Oh, 1000%. You called them, what was it? P E C S uh, uh, PDCs. Yeah. Like professional development credits. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I kind of the same context of uh, CEUs, continued education units. Um, but yeah, it's, it's with that of in, you know, kind of like bigger into the industry of like a degree or your foundation CPT doesn't define everything that you need to know. And one of the huge aspects of that is application, but also continuing to get that e exposure and through education and and going out and taking like that active participant mindset of taking different courses, looking at different companies, like getting different, different thoughts and approaches along everything that fitness has to offer, like putting yourself in situations where you're getting the, that different information, where you're getting that different exposure and then understanding, Hey, it's perfectly okay to understand like how I train as a trainer. And then I'm going to cherry pick all of that and put it into a context that I can best apply it, that we, we don't need to become the system that we learn from. We need to look at that system and evaluate it and be able to pull from it to a means that we can best apply it. Like that system is there and can be very, very informational and be very educational and gives you a systemized approach. The thing is that at some point that system will fail because it can't possibly cover everything. And so developing a greater coach's eye through exposure, through different education, through different courses, through um, just different interactions, I think helps add to that and having the confidence and having the knowledge that like, 
once I have a good foundational understanding of what this system is trying to teach me and tell me, I can take that, what works for me in my training, what works for my clients, and I can apply that, but I don't have to be this system, that I can take multiple systems, I can take multiple approaches and bring those into my company or my training and put it to the best application that I see fit or that works best for my understanding. Well, yeah, it's, it's all about pulling various information from different sources to polish your craft, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's very, it's very interesting. And uh, like I said, I, I aim to be the dumbest person in the room with the labs. And uh, I think I've been <laughs> successful so far. So, but it's good. It's good. It's good. Hey, you and me both. It's a fantastic goal to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, one of the, one of the things, uh, kind of going back a little bit that I really resonated with me just from a nursing perspective, working with, um, a lot of, uh, elderly people, um, is actually that, you know, movement as a spectrum and kind of, or at least, uh, you know, seeing it not in isolation is because like I see so many people where exercise is just getting out of bed or getting up from a toilet seat. So, and even, uh, anyone who's done a pretty hard leg day, they can probably relate to that a couple of days later when they're, you know, <laughs> sitting down to do their business. You, it's hard to get up sometimes you have to like use your arms and upper body to even like get off the toilet eventually. Yeah. And, and yeah. Tanner, I think you bring up such a great point and why it's important to like try to develop that mentality in your clients of like a lifelong approach to something, because that's at the end of the road. Like we all get to that point of becoming seniors and, our like our ability and our capacities are limited just by like age itself and and our ability to move and perform and you know to to similar aspects like um somebody coming out of rehabilitation like they're or a rehab setting um that they're going to be limited in their ability and so so i think if if everyone at some point in their fitness career working with clients has the opportunity to work with senior clientele, they 1000% sh should, because I think that real, that can help that mindset of like looking at, looking at it more as a movement spectrum and not just this exercise in, in the gym. Like we can go and we can set somebody like we can set a senior client on a, leg press and have them perform that and like that be the end of it or like you know just have them uh going through in um like a split stance uh structurally supported like going through this lunging pattern but if we can make that association with hey this leg press helps get you off the toilet hey this lunge like we're gonna press off that back foot guess what we're we're gonna use that to ascend the stairs or we're going to use the this tempo on a decent um, to to help keep you from falling and like have a better awareness of how you're moving through space and time and help develop that proprioception. Because at the end of the day, if we create that awareness and create that association, that's longevity of life. But it's also a longer ability to sustain independence that. Yeah. Quality of life. 
Absolutely. That, that if we can teach these things like, hey, we're, you know, we're here doing something, but it associates into the real world of you being able, like us going through and doing a front foot elevated split squat. Yeah, it's an exercise, but like, hey, if we can drive force through this position, you can step upstairs. And that's the difference of you having to go to an assisted living home to you being able to climb the stairs just to go to bed each night and not falling and like having having the confidence and the strength to be independent enough to sustain that lifestyle that you have built over over decades oh yeah like it it can be a very very rewarding experience and i think a like mindset changer for trainers that have that experience to help kind of facilitate of thinking oh this isn't just something that we do in the gym this is something that needs to be applied outside in everyday life uh, yeah i think it's i think it's just realizing that every movement serves a purpose right that it has some sort of specificity to it and applicability to improving quality of life or improving performance in the sport um so it just depends on like you said seeing it from the the whole spectrum and like opening your eyes to what a movement can actually do for you completely agree with that yeah Awesome. So it's been really good. Moving on to the next question, um, and kind of speaking and building on uh, rewarding experiences, what's been your most rewarding experience teaching other fitness professionals? Um, so I think probably the the most rewarding experience is like the light bulb moments of whenever like people like they've been taught these things they've you know they've heard the words they've read the pages but like like that instant whenever the light bulb turns on and they make this connection like helping helping to facilitate that like putting it in a way of understanding that that it's it's just been a concept for such a long time to like the realization of like oh all these things connect like that has been yeah. Yes, the aha moments. Like it, that's been probably one of the most rewarding experiences. I'd say the other one is, like, and probably because the career path that I chose, but just, just uh, being able to work with young trainers to help expedite their process. To like, it took me this long to understand all these things and like everything all the conferences, workshops, presentations, lectures, like all the hours of studying everything like that. Like, let me help streamline that path for you. Let me help give you the answers that I wasn't given and, and just help develop people in their skill set, in their um, fitness or training, whether that's as a professional or just somebody that enjoys fitness and wants a better understanding of it but helping streamline that experience. So not only setting a standard, but elevating people to meet that standard, because whenever we're able to do that, the ultimate goal should be the people that we're elevating to that standard are going to surpass it. And they can set their own standard that is elevated and higher and continue to help bring people up through that, that, that fitness should be a gateway, not a blockade. And so trying to use my experiences to create that gateway to help not only like set set a standard that people should be at or understanding but like help bring them to that and then hope that they exceed 
past that point. 100%. I am, it, it actually makes me static that you mention that because I always hate when people, you know, say that, oh, I don't want to, you know, uh, learn from this person for X, Y, because I want to, you know, go through that experience myself to, you know, build myself up. And sure, that has its place. But like, the reason we have this podcast, computers, uh, the microphones we're speaking into is because humans collectively over the last, you know, uh, 200,000 years that we've been a species uh, have built consistently upon the knowledge of our ancestors and continue to do so. So take that knowledge as long as it's good, sound scientific knowledge and build upon it even further. Yeah, yeah, I think like that's it's such a good mindset and such a good approach to have of like understanding everything that came before you um, and be able to like carry forward with it. Like it's there's definitely opportunities where like, hey, if you hear something that you like and want to understand, like there's ways to dive into that rabbit hole and go deeper. But but you don't you might not necessarily get exposed to it right off the get go of that rabbit hole. Like it might be something of, of a, uh, more surface, but it, it helps facilitate or helps open that to go deeper into rabbit hole and, uh, try to find like a greater context and understanding to what that first exposure might be. Yeah. It's really, really great. I just, uh, that, that was one of my uh, aha moments myself. Uh, I just appreciate that uh, other people, um, you know, felt the same way about that, about that kind of stuff. Just, yeah. And I'm yeah. trying to, I'm trying to think of whose quote it was. Uh, I think it was maybe Newton that uh, has the famous quote of, if I have seen further, it's by standing on the shoulder of giants or something like that. Like it, it's that understanding and appreciation of, everything that came before you that we don't we don't have to go through the labors of of what was developed before to give us something simplified um in in trying to help continue that standard of like of simplification or i guess availability i don't want to necessarily just say simplification and in, in dumbing down like a context of um like principles of fitness but like it, it helps expedite that faster where now it's in a book and you're not having to write the book. Like, you know, kind of in context of that, of having that appreciation of the people that came before us that set the principles that we're able to understand and able to talk about in such a casual means now. Yeah, very well said. Very well said, yeah. So, but to wrap this whole thing up, um, what do you want for the future of the fitness industry to look like in a perfect world for yourself in a perfect world? Um, what I, I don't know if we'll ever get here, at least in the States. Um, but in a perfect world, what I would like to see is like a greater collaboration and cohesion that surrounding fitness and wellness, I think, like very much so, and Tanner, you could probably speak on this as well, and Bryce, you too, but like there is a lot of silos that have been established around like if we're taking like 
quote unquote wellness and the different dimensions of what's encapsulated in that. And like there's there's these barriers of entry amongst each one. Um, and so what I would like to see is someday like a more seamless streamlined process of that um, from from where I set, you know, being a working with personal trainers, being a personal trainer, um, like seeing, I see personal trainers is kind of the, the front line of fitness and wellness. And if we can find a way where like the education would have to match this, but like there's, you know, there, they could be very beneficial of that entry point into health, into fitness, into like helping, helping reduce some of these, the like some inactivities and diseases and lifestyles that develop from that inactivity lack of education that if we if we could get into a system where there's a more more fluid referral system between trainers physical therapists between nurses and doctors and you know masseuse chiropractic like more of a like wellness approach to fitness um i think we could see like societally we could see like greater strives towards like healthier communities um but right now you know it's again there's a lot of things that would have to go into that as far as like education and understanding and like working together in these communities like seeing and identifying and valuing each other in like being kind of kind of being like brought into or like under the same roof like that I think that would be amazing if and and there's some examples of it out there um out there but like you know just think of like if it were to develop to a one-stop shop where you have you have a hands-on personal trainer in a gym, but that gym also has, you know, it's a physical therapist office. Like you have chiropractic massage services that you have like an on-call yoga instructor, group fitness instructor. You have a nutritionist, a health coach, like all these different dynamics that like oftentimes in the fitness space, we try to take on all these hats to to give our clients the best result that if that was facilitated through a like through a larger approach of just how we view health and fitness as a community and trying to like having that established where it's more uniform than just like rare occurrences and how all these uh different fields and professions are like so isolated and without without typically a trainer being very very active in developing that network and making those connections amongst these different things um not having the reliance on that because it's it's a system that is supported and created that we can streamline everybody to and bring bring them into like one hub of understanding or like one a one hubbed approach with different perceptions in how we approach this thing to find a, to find a um, approach that's best for the client with 
knowledge and input from all these different professionals uh, to consider like all the different dynamics that go into um, building a healthier, stronger, um, better community and society. Setting the standard 100%. and creating expectations, right? That's like one of the biggest things. And then, like you meant, like we, t- I think we talked about it at the very start of this podcast, even. Um, like you mentioned in what you just said there too, with the whole sense of community, right? Creating relationships and having referrals in your back pocket, and being able to kind of like have them on speed dial for whenever your client needs them. Um, because that referral will likely come back and aid you in some way, shape, or form later on too. If yeah, they exactly. need somebody to refer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, it there's is. It... Sorry. Sorry, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, there, there's examples of it. And yeah, Bryce, you mentioned that like you've been able to create those. And like, I, I think it's so important to have those available and to create those. In my ideal world, it would be where it's not on the shoulders of the trainer, one person to try to create those, that it's a system that supports that initiative and helps assist with it. 100%. And that's kind of uh, my ideal too. Like I actually, I think I talked to Bryce about this like two years ago before a podcast was even an idea, which was, you know, uh, eventually one day starting up a gym that you know has an RN that has a dietitian that has a physiotherapist actually at the gym like a, a sort of health center um, where you know you don't need to have them on speed dial per se because they're right next door to your office so if you needed that consult you get it right there um, and in an ideal world you know kind of well how do you pay for that uh, in Canada it'd probably be something I'd like to see covered under universal health care in the states it could be depending on where healthcare goes in the States, you know, through different types of insurance or something like that. Right. Or just taxes from alcohol and marijuana. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I'm fine with either of those. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, I actually, we would be fine with that too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really cool to know that there's other people who have a similar idea where, you know, you, you actually have all those uh, professionals integrated into uh, almost uh, we call it in nursing a primary healthcare care uh, sort of uh, setting because it isn't about dealing with just sick people in hospitals or you know people who are injured it's about dealing with healthy people and keeping them healthy or people who are in the community and don't need um, so much uh, acute help but you know preventative or chronic treatment of their uh, different illnesses yeah I, I think you nailed the um, nailed the what's that? Why am I losing that saying? Um, the, the nail on the head. Na- nail yes. on the head with hammer. Thank you. Hit the so nail on the head. For, for some reason, I kept wanting to bring the hammer into it because it was <laughs> nailing the nail or hammering the nail. Um, you hammered but, the nail in the head. Exactly. Well, <laughs> um, it's, um, but, it's, it's it's been like an hour and fifteen. I get I get that. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's that conversation around preventative care and like in again there's i'm i'm not um under under the thought process that this would be like an easy change like there's so many factors that go into it and i understand and appreciate the complexity that's been developed to need those silos it's more so just like in in this perfect world like if 
preventative care was on the front line and and it was all all under one suite like i i think that exposure can could pay dividends to like the health of a society because it's it's not like there there's a greater appreciation and greater understanding of what each of these current silos do like to to me long long gone would be the ways of well if you know going to a general practitioner and saying oh i was uh, exercising in my back hurt okay don't work out for two weeks like that wouldn't be the approach because like now you're in a setting where hey every day i'm seeing people do this and like i have a greater understanding and a greater appreciation and i'm not in my silo never seeing this that like i now have a better understanding but professionals around to help inform me on that, that it's not, it's not up. Like the expectation should not be on each of these people that, Hey, you just went through this amount of schooling and like these levels of understanding and education that you had to do. Okay. Let's now have the expectation that you have to understand all these different dimensions or aspects that are incorporated into it. No, let's get professionals in a space space that understand their different profession professions can be a quick referral network because hey my office is here uh 10 steps away is this next office and like easier facilitation of that but also like a a more informed community because i'd imagine like something like an establishment like this would have to like hey we have weekly meetings where we talk about like what we're doing and the approaches and like creating those collaboration sessions so everyone can understand everyone can have be on the same page. It's similar to, like it's similar to what's done for professional athletes that have a nutritionist, have a strength and conditioning coach, have their specialist head coach and, you know, 20 other uh, people that they're paying for services, but under one roof and like having that uh, collaboration and communication. Yeah. So it's not, you know, necessarily on the client. Um, Cause as, as we all know, working with clients, clients aren't always, they don't know what to communicate or they'll withhold communication. So if you actually have the professionals communicating and collaborate on their care, you know, you're getting the whole picture uh, from multiple different angles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absol- absolutely. And it covers a multitude of dimensions where it's not just, it's not just physical. We can start looking at like our health. We can even talk about like, not that we have to dive deep into this because I know the conversation, the podcast is running and maybe like another day conversation, but like the emotional aspect of it, the mental side of it, like all of these ideally would be housed in the same place. And it'd be more of a like full service and something that approaches health, wellness, and fitness from a global perspective and not just based on physical means. Yeah. 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 I think when it comes down to it, like the industry and, and, and its whole being more willing to analyze and figure out the solution and figure out what the actual issue is versus the duct tape on the barrel approach, right? Completely agree. Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, we appreciate you making the time to come on. Um, where can people stay up to date with what you do? Um, so 
probably the two easiest would be um, through Instagram, and my handle is uh, there2513. Um, with that, my uh, website link is on it, but it's at um, www.byproductperformance.com. Um, anybody that's listening to this, if they want to reach out, um, I'm pretty good at responding on Instagram. That's probably the easiest place to reach me. Um, but also on, on Instagram can either, uh, slide into the DMS for fitness, uh, questions or, um, just reach out to my email. That's also listed there and just email me. You have the permission to slide in the DMS now. (laughs) Yeah. Slide into the DMS. (laughs) <laughs> just for fitness uh fitness related questions yeah, we'll clarify uh, we'll clarify yeah we will uh have you uh linked in our posts so that way uh people can uh get a one quick link uh to your instagram and then uh check you out at byproduct.com uh byproductperformance.com not byproduct <laughs> i i appreciate it thank you uh both for having me on this has been um a fantastic time i I always appreciate these conversations. And like I said earlier, in, in a selfish way, like I recognize that it, it helps recharge my battery and like having, having the conversations with people that have shared interests, but also um, can add value to the conversation. I very, very much appreciate the opportunity to come on here. And hopefully um, it sounds like there's a potential for some return visits. There'll be a couple. Yeah, There'll definitely. be a couple. There's some, something in the works for sure. All right, guys. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into this one, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Catch you later, guys.